Welcome to the New Books Network. Confounding, exhilarating, and contagious. Emotions matter, and so does applying emotional intelligence. Welcome to Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight, the podcast where emotions rule. Whatever the topic, how do hearts and minds collide? Find out with your host, a college professor turned globetrotting EQ entrepreneur. His mission? Each week, Dan joins prominent authors in decoding how emotions drive outcomes and make people tick. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the 53rd episode of my podcast, Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight. The series appears here on the New Books Network, which has as its motto, sharing knowledge so people can thrive. Today's topic is women in art and life are over it. I'm joined by Nicole Tersigny. She is the author of Men to Avoid in Art and Life. The publisher is Chronicle Books. Nicole is, and she describes herself as a comedic writer experience in improv comedy and women's advocacy. She lives in Metro Detroit with her husband, daughter, and most importantly, two dogs as well. <laughs> Nicole, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. So <laughs> go ahead and, and give us a brief overview of this book. How, how did this thing come into existence and what are we talking about? Of course. Yeah. So the book is called Men to Avoid in Art and Life. Um, and it is basically a meme book, um, which takes classic paintings and pairs them with modern captions um, to kind of illustrate the different types of frustrating men that we encounter in our daily lives. Um, And they're broken into five different categories of men. There's the mansplainer, the concern troll, the comedian, the sexpert, and the patronizer. And that book, the book came about because, you know, just my own experiences living in the world as a woman, as a creative person, as a comedian. Um, And it started as a Twitter thread, actually, Uh, the same, like pairing the modern captions with the classic paintings. And it took off. It went viral. Um, I had an agent reach out to me and say, you know, would you be interested in making this into a book? And I said, heck yes, let's do it. That's a nice easy route. Yeah, it was. It was very, um, very lightning in a bottle kind of thing. It was. It was quite an experience. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. So um, these five types of men. I mean, there there are surely probably more than five types that you've found uh, frustrating, yeah. annoying, and and maybe whatever else. Um, yeah. How did you finally settle on on these five? We'll go through each of them in a moment, but just how did you get to those five? Well, so it was suggested to me to come up with um, around five to give the book some structure. Um, And so that's how the five came about. And I just kind of tried to divvy them up as best I could into different categories. Obviously, there's a lot of overlapping, like, you know, mansplaining is such a common (laughs) element in the whole book, really. Um, And they're all very patronized. So it it all kind of bleeds together. But just to help give it some structure, I came up with this variety of men. Okay. Well, I I just got curious. So I went online, I started Googling and saying, can I find any survey data on, you know, you know, types of men women want to avoid and so forth. I did not find that readily. I did find (laughs) one article from a woman named Lauren Skirkin, Skirbin Mm -hmm. rather from 2015. Here here are her five types. And I don't know if you have any reaction to them or not and how they play with yours. Uh, Two of them seem to involve uh, abuse of 
drugs and alcohol. Mm. Uh, one was the Jekyll and Hyde drunk mm-hmm. versus just the, the quiet alcoholic. There was the cheater manipulator, uh, the controller, and the commitment phobe. Ooh, yeah. If you expanded to seven, would any of those made it into your, into your book? Yeah, I feel like that is that is good advice. You definitely want to want to avoid those those types of men as well. That's that's a little darker. Than... It is a, it is a little darker. Granted, yes, it's a little harder to find humor in the the drug abuser person, you know. But yes, definitely avoid all of those all of those types of men. Yes. So so let's go through them one by one. So yeah. mansplaining, you said, is is maybe, you know, it's the first category and one that could probably, you know, carry through the entire book in some manner of speaking. For sure. So you chose the artwork yeah. and you wrote the, the captions and you can maybe give an example or two of your favorites from the mansplainer section. Sure. But just, uh, you know, t- take us down the road of the mansplainer a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So the mansplainer is, um, he's the man who explains things to you in a condescending way usually. And it's something that you are well-versed in. You are maybe an expert in. Um, This is unsolicited, unwanted feedback and advice, um, which is key to mansplaining. (laughs) This is not, it's not someone asking for help. Um, and so uh, one example from the book that I think perfectly sums up the mansplainer is this man who's speaking to a woman and he says, let me explain your lived experiences to you. <laughs> so, yes. So, so in facial coatings, I'm, I'm an expert at looking at people's facial expressions and knowing what mm-hmm. emotions they show. So I applied this as I've done to all sorts of artwork, including being in the Rijksmuseum with the, head of the collection and going through and looking at the Rembrandts and other paintings. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would give me the background and then I would say what I saw on the people's faces. So can you guess what, there are seven emotions you can pick up from facial coding. Those are happiness, surprise, then you have anger, fear, sadness, disgust, and contempt. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine which of those emotions maybe I saw more so because I went through and I actually facially coded every woman's face that I could reasonably read uh, in the book and compared each of the five sections. So there was an emotion that actually distinctly stood out in the mansplainer section based on the paintings you chose. Can you imagine of those seven, which one it might have been? That's so interesting. First of all, I love that you did that. Um, Is it contempt? That's going to come up later on. Okay. It's actually anger. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes um, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, and I, and I thought it was interesting because anger is an emotion can be about I want to make progress, but also I want to be in control of my own destiny. So you're now telling me you know my life better than I do, right? Which is probably not true, right? <laughs> Chances are not true. <laughs> yes. Very frustrating. So- Yes, very frustrating indeed. So let's go to the next one. This is the concern troll. How would you define that and maybe a a favorite example? Yeah, so the concern troll uses faux concern for you to kind of undermine and belittle you. So like, for example, I agree with what you're saying, but your tone or your language is off-putting to people, that kind of thing. Um, in the book, I think a great one is this man who says, um, when I said that you needed to lose weight, I was only thinking of your health, you know? So it's like, 
pretend concern for you to to make you feel little. Sure. And uh, I love the example. And can you imagine which of those seven emotions applies in this case? Is there, it, is a, there is a good pattern. Is it also anger? <laughs> no, it's it's the one you chose last time. Oh, it's contempt. contempt. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, from your, your definition, that makes total sense because condescension is really what contempt is about. It's that smirk yeah. at the corner of the mouth. I find you beneath me. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It's a contagious emotion. They all are. Right. So if, if you find me beneath you, uh, I can return the favor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can find you beneath me for your patronizing ways. Yeah. So uh, so that's that one. Um, let's go on to the next category. This is the comedian. The comedian, yes. So the comedian is just convinced of his funniness, first of all. Um, he get, He gets offended when you don't laugh at his jokes, which are, you know, oftentimes very lazy and tired, um, sexist, racist jokes. Um, and they, he's the guy that always tells you, you know, lighten up. You need to get a sense of humor. It's just jokes. That that kind of man. <laughs> sure. Um, maybe. Oh, one example from the book is this man is talking to a woman and he says, I was only kidding when I asked if those baby buffets had names. You don't have to call me a weaselly little turd. It hurt my feelings. So kind of dish it out, but can't take it. Yeah. Thin skin, but a bully themselves. Yes. Okay. Um, My favorite sexual, but not sexual joke um, might be actually from Roseanne Barr, who said a woman reaches her sexual peak in life about the same time that her husband realizes he has a favorite chair. (laughs) (laughs) Just indicative of the fact that the two sexes are never on the same page, it yeah, seems. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of sets us up for the next one, which is the, the sexpert. So I, I think the definition is pretty obvious, but I'll let you <laughs> put it in your own words. Sure. The sexpert is the the man, the you know cis man, who thinks he knows your body better than you do, um, pretty clearly. And then one of the jokes actually in that section is this man saying, let me explain something to you about the female body. <laughs> Yeah, so we're back to mansplaining, but now we got a, a sexual angle right, to it, right. basically. So there, there was no pattern for the comedian necessarily in the women's expressions, but there is once again one for the sexpert on the women's faces as the sexpert is patronizingly going on. Uh, what do you think it might be out of those five emotions? Is it also contempt? No, it's actually fear. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the the, uh, the anxiety, discomfort, you're invading my space verbally, you know, God forbid it's going to follow with physical manifestations. That is so interesting because a lot of those paintings are men in these women's business and them like very clearly leaning away or trying to get away. Yeah, I'm going to come back to the overall patterns in a moment. But yes, yes, I, I definitely saw that it includes in particular the eyes wide, because when the eyes mm-hmm. go wide, you are taking in information because you have to read your environment. Right. You, you have to know what's going on. There's a wonderful first stanza from a poem by Wallace Stevens where he said, a duchess is not a duchess a hundred yards from the carriage. Women understand this. Ooh, yeah. Which is to say men often don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's interesting. Yeah. So one more. We got the patronizer. Okay. Yes, the patronizer. Um, and again, they're all very patronizing, but, uh, so the patronizer uses your emotions as weapons against you. He, you know, 
makes you feel small to make himself feel big. That kind of character. Um, one of the paintings in there that I really like is this man who says, I can't talk to you if you're going to get hysterical. And the woman is just deadpan. Like she does not, she's not hysterical. <laughs> she's just staring at him. Okay. So. And there is a pattern here too as well. So everyone but the comedian has a pattern. Can you guess which of the emotions it is in this case? I'm going to say contempt again, just because I want that for all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I just want them to be over it. What is you're you're, you're not far off. When I look at happiness, I actually look at four gradations of happiness because a joyful expression is when the muscle around the eye relaxes and you get the twinkle in the eye. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the the kind of the bargain basement, the Filene's bargain basement of happiness is what I call acceptance. It's the really slight smile. And that's what I had in this case. Oh, yeah. So they they took some pleasure, you know, muted as it was. They took some pleasure in making the person, the woman feel small while they Mm -hmm. therefore got to feel bigger. Yeah. Um, But the slight smile, just from my experience over 20 years, does often go with contempt. Mm -hmm. It just that wasn't a... It was somewhat notable that there was some contempt, but it was it was particularly the smiles that I that I noticed. That is super interesting. What a fun exercise. <laughs> it was. And and there was now, just more broadly, there was a pattern for the woman women and a pattern for the guys. And we haven't discussed the guys' expressions so far. Can no. you imagine, particularly vis-a-vis the women, what they showed? There there was one emotion they definitely showed more. Um Contempt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're nothing if not consistent. Uh, It is actually happiness. They enjoyed. (laughs) They enjoyed being a comedian, even if the person receiving the so-called humor did not. They enjoyed being the concern troll. They enjoyed being the mansplayer, the sex expert, the patronizer. And the women, in turn, uh, you know, and this takes us out of the realm of comedy a bit, but, you know, life is as it is. Yeah. Uh, actually, the distinctive pattern across all of them outside of the ones I've already raised is more sadness. Yeah. You know, therefore, the opposite of happiness uh, and sadness can be, you know, I feel forlorn. I feel disappointed by these men I'm hanging out with <laughs> uh, against my wishes in some cases, um, you know, that you're just despondent. And so the the eyes were closed. They were they were downcast. The head was downcast. There was also kind of an unfocused gaze off into the eyes, yeah, which is characteristic of sadness. It was pretty prevalent. I mean, more so than any of the categories I gave you in many ways, uh, it would be that. Although, again, you know, there was certainly anger with the mansplayer. There was certainly contempt with the concerned troll. There was certainly fear with this expert. But uh, that was that was a real marked difference. That's so interesting to me too, because these paintings mostly were painted by men. So I'm wondering like, what is their, what were they? I mean, obviously I see in them what I want to see. Um, I take my own life and my own experiences and translate them on into paintings, but I'm wondering what the original intent was. If they're, as you say, they have the the sadness in the women and then they have the, the happiness on the man. <laughs> like what is, what, what were they going for i wonder what were they trying to show us and even if they captured the expression accurately of the sitters or projected it did they mm-hmm. really fully understand right <laughs> in, in our in our modern more feminist terms what was going on here or they're just like oh that's just how women are <laughs> <They're all Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> so, so let me let me jump to something else. I, I just was curious. I know from doing my own book called First Blush, where I used eye tracking and facial coding to get at people's intuitive reactions to to famous art. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, it's it's really difficult to make the choices. There are so many great, interesting paintings out there. So many. How did you settle on the ones that you did? And I noticed in particular in the art credits, a lot of them were from the Met. Yes. And quite a few from the Rijksmuseum. So those two yeah. seem to predominate the list a bit. But how did you choose the paintings you could? Because, boy, there are a lot of options. Oh, I know. So my process for picking the paintings was we are so fortunate right now because um, museums like the Met and the Rijksmuseum, they they have their whole databases online. And they're they're super easily searchable. You can search through um, for public domain, open access. Um, and then, you know, I would just go through there, all the stuff that was free for me to use. And I just I basically scrolled through art until my eyeballs bled. <laughs> I would save any that looked like potentially I could work with them. And then I would put them in a document and try and finagle a joke around, you know, what I saw happening or what, what kind of joke I, I, usually it was around what was happening in the painting. I, I rarely started with a type of joke I wanted to make. Sure. Um, and then, you know, I just went from there, whatever I could, I could make work the best. I, I still have, you know, I'm still doing them on Instagram because I have so many that <laughs> did not get used in the book <laughs> that are just in my documents folder that I've been going through. Um, oh, cool. Well, I, we'll have to link up on Instagram because I'd love yeah. to, to follow those. Um, did you have a favorite example from the book overall? I mean, we, we kind of hit on each by category, but is there one that was the the biggest chuckle or the caption just came super quick or whatever criteria. Yes. The one that makes me laugh the most that made me laugh when I wrote it is one of this man. I, you know, I'll have to, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but he's standing next to a, a statue of a woman and he has his hand on the statue and he says, you're not like other girls. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so perfectly, it makes me laugh because they say that all the time and it's very frustrating because it's not a compliment. What you're telling me is you don't value women and girls when you're, when you're saying, Oh, you, you're different than them. You're better. You're a good one. Um, yeah. So, so they inadvertently reveal themselves. Yeah, yeah. When it's like you, I, I think other women and other girls are amazing. I, I don't mind being compared to them. So that with the statue is always makes me laugh. Okay. And if you had some contemporary or more contemporary artwork in the in the book, was there any of those? Maybe these are the things that are going out on Instagram now, but you want to throw in maybe a, a, a more contemporary example that you had fun with? You know, I didn't, I don't have any contemporary because I, I didn't want to find some that were amazing that I love that I fell in love with and had like a perfect joke for and then not be able to use it. Uh, so sure. I, I only looked in public domain, which, as you know, is all like very old, <laughs> very old artwork, um, sure. all stuff that that was accessible to me because I didn't want to I didn't want to have to d- deal with that at all. You know, OK, well, I, I had mentioned to you when we talked before going on the air that the uh, Roy Lichtenstein, you know, yes. cartoon uh, driven artwork, uh, including like in the car, which kind of evoked Mad Men for me. Yes. Um, might be, might be fun if if Roy's estate would simply agree to allow you to do your thing. <laughs> yeah, I actually I looked at that one, and you're right, it is very Mad Men. So I picture him like you know, obviously calling her doll or some sweetheart doll. Um, something about how you know 
she's probably nervous about his driving and he's like, don't worry, doll cars are like women, you know, you tell them what to do and they, they just respond or something like that. You know, very sexist old school ad man is exactly right. When you say that about mad men. Yeah, no, no, I think that's, you're, you're on your way to a good caption there. <laughs> Again, if, if only Roy will, will allow. So I, I have to ask out of your own life and experiences, uh, you have these five types. Is there one that you think women uh, should most urgently avoid? I think, you know, one that I think is maybe the most dangerous type can be the concern troll. Um, just because, and it's it's not just men who concern troll. It's, it's a lot of people that concern troll. And it's something that's really hard to spot sometimes, especially when it's someone that you love or, you know, that you think respects you in your life. And then you hear this feedback from them. Sometimes you can internalize it and take it take it in and just be like, yes, you're right. I, I should change this about myself because you love me. And if you're saying this, then then it must be true. Um, huh. Well, that, that's interesting because that's where the women showed more contempt. So fortunately, it seems like they had <laughs> deflected it back onto the men good. rather than feel rather than feel contempt for themselves, which is a good, a good thing. And uh, I might mention a, a fact while you find interesting. Mm-hmm. Contempt is the most reliable indicator that a marriage will fail. Oh, that makes they've sense. actually used facial coding at the Love Lab at the University of Washington, Seattle. Um, Gottman, who's an expert on facial coding and, and marriage counseling. And with with uh, what I think they had 95 percent accuracy from five minutes of videotape mm. uh, when the couples showed pronounced contempt for one another that uh, that marriage was was over and done for. That makes so much sense. If you don't you know, respect somebody, how can you have a relationship with them? Exactly. It's just like in a political debate. The first thing you want to do is take away the trust factor for the other candidate because yeah. then nothing that person says in the debate will supposedly have credence with the, the voters, you know, watching right. on. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a really fundamental. And I've found over the years of my research, contempt is the hardest one for a person or a brand, for instance, to come back from because you, no. you've made a judgment. It, it's it's called an emotion. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really an attitudinal assessment yeah, <laughs> that, that you've arrived at in lots of ways. <laughs> so is there, um, you're doing the ones on Instagram. Is there going to be a, a second version of this book or a follow-on? Or there, what, what's, actually, what's next for Nicole? Yes. So I've got some fun stuff coming up with this book, some calendars and things coming out. But I just um, announced that I'm doing a second book that it's not around men. It's actually the same style with the art and the captions, but it's going to be around female friendships, gal pals. Okay. A little, little more lighthearted, <laughs> fun kind of stuff. Sure. Well, lighthearted is good. Uh, yeah. We've got enough bad news in the world. I did. Yeah. It's funny because when you mentioned that and I started Googling and saying, can I find other interesting paintings with men and women interactions? Uh, Google didn't do a terribly good job in, in uh, <laughs> selecting down to a narrower fit. And so they gave me a lot that just showed women together, yeah. uh, in, including from the pre-Raphaelite painters. Yes, there's um, a lot of lot of material there. I'm excited to dig in and, and come up with some good stuff. That's cool. So uh, any uh, from this exercise, any last words of wisdom for, for listeners on uh, how to navigate life that you you've learned from from doing the book from uh, from your own experiences observations a- anything you want to throw in the hopper here I think just you know be confident in yourself don't let anybody tell you something that you know to be true <laughs> that's not you know against what you know to be true 
about yeah, you. Don't let, don't let them gaslight you, in other words. Don't let them gaslight you, yeah. And, and you know, in responding to them, a lot of times you just got to do what you feel safe doing. Sometimes that means calling them out. Sometimes it means making a joke. And sometimes it means just letting it slide. Sometimes you just have to in the moment to get through it. And, you know, I respect however people respond to this. You, you got to do your own thing. Sure. Makes sense to me. So uh, this has been episode number 53. Uh, It's called Women in Art and Life Are Over It. (laughs) My guest, Nicole Tersigny, she is the author of Men to Avoid in Art and Life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, and I sure hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, please give it a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, You can check out other episodes by going to my company's website at the obligatory three W's, sensorylogic.com, or go to the New Books Network. Uh, my series is under the special series programming. Uh, finally, I'd like to end every episode with an appropriate epigram. When I started looking around, I started with mansplaining, and I came across five notable examples. One was actually from an interview done with Thomas Edison uh, for Good Housekeeping Magazine back in 1912, and it's a case almost of double mansplaining because Edison is mansplaining that women don't have men's intellectual capability and the man interviewing Edison is therefore going on to say, well, the female readers should not actually be offended by this comment, but he would allow them, they might be briefly uh, annoyed. All of which ends with Edison coming back and saying, direct thought is not an attribute of femininity. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, until next time, be kind and stay safe. Thank you.